Welcome to 10.5, the official podcast of the OPP Association. I am Scott Mills. And I'm Josh Jutras. We are the Strategic Communications Coordinators for the OPP Association and your hosts for the 10.5 podcast, the official podcast of the OPP Association. On this week's episode, we conclude our conversation on uniform recruiting in the Ontario Provincial Police with Inspector Chris Collins, who is in charge of uniform recruiting, and OPP Association Director Mike Adair. The first part of the conversation was quite interesting, so I'm really looking forward to the second part of the uh, conversation. Just before we get into the discussion, we are going to provide some context and background for those that haven't listened before on who we are and what our objectives of the 10.5 podcast are. The OPP Association is the sole bargaining agent for the close to 10,000 members of the Ontario Provincial Police in Ontario, Canada. Our members include a uniform frontline sworn police officers, as well as civilian employees of the OPP. We also represent our retired members. Our members are our focus and our strength, and we aim to provide important information to our members and the public about matters that affect policing in the province of Ontario. Well, welcome back, Chris and uh, Mike, and uh, we'll get right into the conversation here. Chris, can I just uh, ask you to elaborate on um, that Winnipeg uh, portion that you and I spoke to. I thought that was really good for, you know, uh, the northern uh, regions and, you know, keeping uh, people in the north in those uh, detachments. And it was almost like, you know, we were talking, it's like, you know, if you're in Winnipeg or that area, it's it's no different than, say, if you're in Barrie in some communities in, in Manitoba and going, say, to Bancroft if you're in Barrie, you know, like zero. So they are allowed, like, they, it's it's positive because they're still close to their families yet they're employed in Ontario. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's that perspective, you know, uh, when when someone from, someone not familiar with Northern Ontario thinks of, you know, Kenora, they think, wow, that's far up north. But to people in Winnipeg, that's just east, right? It's a perspective thing. You know, really, we're the anomaly. We're in southwestern Ontario, um, or Canada, I would say, rather. So, yeah, it, it's an interesting perspective. So that's what we're trying to leverage, right? Just pre-COVID, uh, we had a number of initiatives in Winnipeg, uh, you know, with the support of region as well. Northwest region is a big supporter for uniform recruitment, and we have a number of recruitment ambassadors there as well. And, uh, uh, you know, the last time I, I, can, I can share an experience we had with a, with a recruitment strategy where we, where we, uh, we traveled to Winnipeg and we did outreach at a number of post-secondary institutes there. And uh, interesting enough, uh, we wrapped up the tour. It was a tour across Northwest region, but we wrapped it up in Kenora with a symposium. And uh, by the time we got to Kenora, we were interviewing people we met in Winnipeg, you know? So and they were driving to Kenora for the interview. It was, uh, it was pretty amazing experience, you know? And, and especially what Scott referred to earlier with, uh, you know, you can leveraging social media, you know, you can do uh, pinpoint marketing as well with our ads. So we can, we can market in Winnipeg to diverse communities and so on. You know, it's, uh, it's quite a powerful tool. Yeah, that, that was pretty uh, cool the way you did. What is that pin? Can you get more into pinpoint uh, marketing? Cause that was part of the conversation I, I took note of. Yeah, absolutely. So, Pinpoint market, it's essentially, it's uh, paid marketing through social media platforms, right? Where you can, you can target a specific uh, geographic location, demographics, this sort of thing. And, and you can, uh, which, what's great about it is you can tailor your ad 
to the audience and you can either you could either steer them to the website or maybe an event you have coming into the neighborhood right so it's uh, it's definitely uh it's it's a it's a great opportunity to engage with people Mike, uh, before we move on, I uh, just wanted to tie a bow on this, uh, on all the initiatives that the inspector has been talking about. Do you have any other comments from the association perspective on those? Uh, no, um, but maybe for some context, uh, how this uh, came about um, was I wanted to reach out to Chris in recruiting because uh, part of my portfolio is, um, you know, the selection process, perf- um, promotionals and, and uh some of the policies uh, were changing and I was getting a lot of feedback from the members, a lot of it negative. Um, you know, we have those talks with the, with the OPP and, and they, 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 they bring us in sometimes and consult. Um, and we, you know, we air our, our concerns. And um, so basically the membership were saying that, uh, you know, with the performance uh, SOP, there's, you know, there's some issues with, you know, um, difficulty not user-friendly etc and i was wondering if that had a nexus to um to the recruiting because i heard those same stories scott as you mentioned earlier that you know uh, the numbers weren't coming in and uh you i met a lot of people in toronto and peel and barry city police that uh, had gone through the process uh, of opp and not been successful but then they're successful elsewhere, uh, usually in a short window. So, you know, I had that, that that's the opening for me to, to reach out and see, you know, if there was a, a similar problem or, you know, maybe they, the recruiting uh, process was changed to make it more difficult and maybe people just weren't, uh, you know, jiving with it. So anyways, I had a chat with Chris and he, uh, he got me uh, on, on the fact that, you know, it's, it's, they're actually doing a good job at the uh, in the recruiting. Well, thanks, thanks for that, Mike. I appreciate that, and I can say that, yeah, certainly there's been some enhancements over the years, and and uh, you know, prior to 2019, we we had pre-application testing, where there was a, a third-party vendor was responsible for administering testing across the province, and you know that that certainly had some impacts on. Uh, the return on investment in terms of outreach, you know, going out there and promoting policing as a career, and then candidates would have to go research this third-party vendor, you know, and any any challenges they had within, and then and then they could apply to us, right? So we definitely saw an increase in applications as of January 2019, and uh, especially diverse uh, applicants as well, which was which was excellent for us to see and. So that's one part of it, but like you mentioned too, Mike, is what's really important to us is uh, employee referrals. Our members really are our best uh, recruiters. And uh, so over the years, we've made a a couple of enhancements to uh, enhance uh, employee referrals. So such as we we created a smart form. So employee referrals can come to us uh, via the form, but it can also come in an email or phone call. We get them in all different mediums. So uh and it could it, it includes retired members and so on current serving members and um but we did we created the smart form and what we're hoping to get out of it was uh what it does it includes our areas of assessment right so sometimes it's hard for i i've given referrals in the past and it's sometimes it's hard to get the the writing going about what you want to share about the the individual so this this form we were hoping to really guide that conversation around those areas of assessment so to really 
bring some more insights and uh, and how the candidate uh, aligns with um, you know to our assessments, right? So so we did the smart form. Also, uh, the recruitment ambassador program was a large part of of uh, of trying to get the word out there, on, like because we inform the recruitment ambassadors about the constable selection system. We give them uh, lots of detail into the system, and we hope that they share it with their fellow members at detachments as well, right? So uh, that's what we hope to get out of that, and and even help mentor employee referrals as in addition to that. And we also created a constable information booklet, and uh, we we were really hoping that that was really initially meant for our members to share with their referrals, uh, but we now use it, uh, it's a great tool, so we now use it uh, at our uh, outreach events and so on as a handout. But uh, that constable information booklet, they, it goes in detail, explains the hiring process, how to best prepare, and that sort of thing, right? And um, so th those are part of things that we've done to help enhance our employee referrals. And, and I can say, we've done lunch and learns as well, uh, where we, you know, where we held a lunch and learn and spoke to, um, you know about the hiring process and what th what they expect, what the expectations are, and so on, and and uh, th those seem to help. But but I can tell you, like this year alone, uh, employee referrals have led to over 220 plus hires. Right, so um, we definitely that's see it on our end. You know, yeah, that's great because we we yeah. brought that up, Chris, at the AGM when the uh, commissioner visited, and uh, we were asking about what happened to the referral program, uh, employee referral program, and uh, he said he'd looked into it and. Obviously, he did. That's great to hear, Chris. Just to, just to go back there um, um, with the process about how you know I made a comment about how you know there's some people that get, that get turned away and then hired elsewhere. I just wanted you to touch base um, on the how how denials can be overturned with a second look because I really like that piece because uh, back in the day. You know, sometimes people would think that it was personal, like, oh, you know, the, the recruiter, you know, it wasn't like to like, like, you know, like uh, I wasn't a jock, for instance, and there's potentially a jock being the interviewer, and I got gonged because of that. But you said that there's now a, a second look at ones that get gonged. Can you uh, elaborate? Well, you know, I, I'd like to use different terminology, if I may, but after each uh, yeah. stage in our hiring <laughs> that's, process. That's the old school. Oh yeah, that's okay though. But uh, as part of our hiring process, each stage we have a secondary assessment, right? So there's uh, somebody uh, who's part of the leadership cadre who's uh, reviewing the uh, the recommendation of the recruiter or whoever had the file last, right? So like pre-screening applications, you know, a, a recruiter will make a a recommendation. Well, then uh, someone from the leadership cadre will review that file and either agree or put it forward to probe further, right? And so this happens at each stage of the hiring process. And, uh, but, you know, from time to time too, uh, you know, we've had employee referrals uh, reach out and, uh, you know, they uh, shared their feedback and, and said, you know, I, I really wish you'd take a deeper dive on this file or that sort of thing. So, you know, I, I can tell you there's a number of times where we do take a closer look with these employee referrals. Yeah, Scott. Scott, I'll stay with my speaking notes. I, I had the word denial, but I, I uh, ad libbed with gong. 
<laughs> well, it's 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 a pretty interesting conversation. I'm glad it's it's conversational, and uh, you know we do have speaking notes. We we kind of make up a script when we're doing this, but we're all over the place here because we're just having a good conversation, and that's what we're that's what we're heading for, guys. So um, yeah, we gotta we gotta keep on track with the times with the time limits, right? Yes, but we can always make it into more episodes because there's something i'm just going back in some of the notes that we had here um chris was kind enough to give us some stats um that in 2019 there were 2500 applicants to the opp and diversity increased from uh, 150 to 600 and indigenous community applications doubled uh, i think that's quite impressive myself um in 2020 there were 2000 applications and in 2021 to date, the OPP has had 943 applicants. And that those stats, I think, were pulled around September. So it looks like we're a little down this year. And uh, it's it's obvious to me that the recruitment process is, is a lot of work. I guess my question from those stats is, uh, I hear other police services all over the place hiring, and it's quite competitive. It looks like our applications this year are a little bit down. Is that is that because of COVID, or is is uh, is this everybody's hiring, or what's going on with that, Chris? Well, you know what I could tell you. Those stats were taken, yeah, I think uh, sometime in August, and uh, so July and August they weren't as strong as they've had been in the past. Uh, but I think that could, it may be attributed to you know maybe uh, you know COVID was in a good place, so people are out there enjoying the last you know, enjoying the summer, right? Taking vacation, because a lot of people haven't been taking vacation. So maybe that could be an impact. I can tell you that the, as of September, those applications are starting to go back up again. So yeah, we had two months where they were, they were down, but it's it's going back in the in, in the right direction again. Uh, that's, hey Chris, that's really Chris, good news. Just, sorry, Scott, could I just uh, add a comment there that there was a tool and I, I, I can't recall what it was, but just speaking to that piece, do you think um, there's a tool that basically uh, lets potential police officers know of the, I guess, the, the negatives uh, of the job? And it's a, kind of like a realistic approach. And I forget the name of the tool. Um, it's it's, it's uh, self-assessment questionnaire. Maybe. And it talks about, you know, the, the real potential of, you know, you could be charged criminally. I, I, I recall there could be the, the negative social media aspect, and and potentially, were there some people that were leaving at that level, saying, "Whoa, this isn't for me." Uh, there could be, you know, in all reality, there could be. You know, we actually created that self-assessment questionnaire uh, to help pe set people up for success. You know, we we actually lay out, you know, uh, what the ratings are, you know, and and then help provide opportunities how. A person can either articulate or, or develop to get there, right? And, yeah, when, uh, and, and to to add context, when I said you know be charged criminally, it's just like the SIU factor, and you're under the eye, right? You're under the the microscope, and that's what I meant by that. Just to yeah, I, I think clear. there's, uh, I think we can always continue to develop our language. You know, we we get a lot of great feedback from, from uh, I know I remember a a post-secondary uh, institution they did a study on constable selection system and and how other people experience it and uh, yes it varies amongst police services but it's somewhat consistent because we do follow the same constable selection system but it's definitely how you uh, message it 
and um, the language you use. You're right. It, it it does have an impact. It certainly does. It is something that, especially that's that that is what our diversity coordinator has been looking at. Is uh, is is that very same thing, right? The terminology, how we explain things to candidates, because it could, it, you know, it could, it could, uh, I wouldn't say scare them in a way, but it could uh, discourage them, right? Yeah, true. You know, but we do have the minimum requirements to be a police officer that come from the Police Services Act, right? So we, we do have to meet those, like those are bonafidable, but, uh, but we certainly I think uh, we can do, uh, we continue to, uh, to improve our language for sure. I understand that there are focused efforts. We talked uh, we talked a little bit about this earlier, uh, happening to recruit uh, sworn frontline officers in uh, Northern Ontario. I, I think even though we touched on a little bit earlier, I think it's really important to touch on this a little bit more in depth because generally, uh, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, I didn't I didn't apply to the OPP because they could send you anywhere you want. And obviously the the population base in Ontario is is larger in the southern Ontario, but the OPP polices way up north. And uh, we obviously want to cover those positions and have people happy doing those positions to serve the communities up there. So I was wondering if you could elaborate on this uh, northern Ontario recruiting effort in a little bit more depth. Absolutely. I'm actually glad you mentioned that because, you know, I, I think nowadays it, that's somewhat of a myth that uh, you could be placed anywhere in Ontario. Uh, we Actually, it's the contrary. When we offer candidates now, we tell them, yes, we, we offer posting locations based on our operational needs, uh, you know, but you do not have to accept this offer. By not accepting, it does not uh, it's not detrimental to your file. You continue to be assessed for a future intake and that sort of thing, right? So, uh, but that being said, uh, you know, uh, I had the pre-employment coordinator. She was running some stats uh, today. And uh, in the last three classes, we've been near the 90 percentile of getting candidates in their one of their top six choices. So candidates get six preferred postings when they apply. Uh, then when they go to the interview, they, they, they fill out a document where they indicate their six preferred postings. And uh, yeah, I'm happy to say that we, you know, we get uh, we get people in 90 percentile to one of those six preferred postings, and and what we do um, is uh, where we have prioritized locations from northwest or northeast region that we need to fill. We'll canvas we'll canvas the candidates at, at, in the later stages of the process, and and uh, we'll say these, you know, in early preparation for the class, we're you know, we these positions are uh, have become available. If anyone's interested in updating their preferred posting locations to include any of these, please let us know, right? But there, we also caveat: there's no pressure, and it doesn't it doesn't uh, incentivize your application. Like it doesn't give you an edge over somebody else or anything, right? So, uh, but we put it out there, and and that gets a lot of good results too, because there are people out there who are interested in relocating. Those are just some of the things. Like I know back, you know, maybe in the past, it, it might have been a harder line on willingness to serve, but definitely we're, th this is the direction we're going now. I know that, that probably answers part of your question. No, I, th I think you answered my question. Bottom line is if you, if you want to apply for the OPP, uh, they're not going to send you all over the place. And if you That's don't right. want to go, you're going to, you're going to get an area that you, that works for you for your personal life. Yeah, that's I think that's a right. huge concern. Yeah, absolutely. And I, yeah, absolutely it is. And, and yeah, so that's why we even take the time when we're giving the verbal offer and then we put it in writing. We, we 
we clearly explain to the candidate that there's no pressure for them to take this position if it doesn't work for them personally because we need them to make an informed decision because you know our lateral pro lateral transfer policy is such that they're not eligible to uh, put in a lateral until they're a first class constable right so unless they're and if and if they're in a duration posting they can lateral to another duration posting uh, once they get their permanency but there's a caveat there that they can't lateral to uh, one of the two-year duration postings right so well i'm sure What's your northwest event? region and northeast region people are you know they're always big supporters of the recruitment and uh it's great that we're we're getting officers to serve up north and uh the efforts are being made to uh to get the right people there to serve our communities up there yeah, especially with the uh with the hiring from the north for the north right exactly. that's still that's still active that's right yeah, we've actually uh, increased our resources in Northwest Region as well. In particular, there's a there's a new sergeant there, Sergeant Dan Mills. Well, he's got a good last name. <laughs> Any relation? <laughs> no, no relation. Apparently, there's uh, three Scott Mills in policing over the years, and uh, one was oh. an OPP, so I was a Toronto guy. <laughs> but okay. uh, definitely, we've uh, got mail for each other over the years, so that might be another one I'll be getting mail for. Hey, um, I, uh, Chris, what about the, uh, what are the numbers for um, life experience type recruits? Oh, uh, like, would, you mean we, like in do we have a lot of those? Like age? Yeah, like basically they're, you know, they may not have a, a degree or they may not be, you know, a, a youngin kind of full of, you know, piss and vinegar, and, but they do have life experience. And I remember uh, that was in our conversations. Is, what about that? Is that uh, alive and well or is that kind of falling off the the, ra the, the no it absolutely speed. is you know it absolutely is you know you know we have a number of hires i i can recall off the top of my head in the last few classes you know we there's like uh, in terms of age I, I think the oldest might have been 51 or 53 in the last class so like age is uh, irrelevant you know and these people bring a wealth of experience right and and i think it's important to note that we need a well-balanced um hiring plan where you know, we have people from all ages, and then you have the experienced police officers as well to complement that. And so then you don't run up like 30 years from now, everyone's retiring at the same age, right? So that's that's certainly something that's, uh, that we're very mindful of. But so, um, yeah, so experiences do vary. You know, we, we, we still hire people with high school education. There's lots of great candidates who their highest level of education is a high school. But you know what? They have a ton of employment experience and other experiences, right? That uh, that that bring up their competitiveness. So, ninety something percent of our candidates have post-secondary, but uh, the minimum requirement is still high school. And post-secondary that includes trades as well. I want to emphasize that, um, like a post-secondary that includes all those uh, the apprenticeship programs and so on, right? Yeah, thank you for that. And uh, just being respectful of everybody's time here, uh, Mike, just wanted to circle back to you if you have any final thoughts on anything we've talked about here. No, I'm just, uh, the only thing I'd circle back on is uh, um, just with the staffing piece there, uh, Chris, um, 2022, I'm hoping that, you know, you and I will continue talking and we'll keep pushing that 2022 to 2025 with those numbers that you gave. And uh Hopefully, uh, you know, the staffing issues in Ontario will, will rectify themselves. But, and thanks, thanks, uh, Chris, and uh, for, for uh, being part of this. And Josh and Scott, you're the best. 
Well, it's been a lot of fun uh, talking uh, on this topic, and uh, I know I've learned quite a lot. I hope our listeners uh, learn about uh, all the efforts that are going on behind the scenes to to make sure that our staffing levels are up. And Scott, just if I may, I just want to thank you uh, both for having having me on the podcast today, and uh, we really appreciate all the support we've been getting from the Ontario Pol- Provincial Police Association and from our members. So, you know, and, and like Mike ref- uh, referred to, like, we're certainly going to need your help and all the help that we can get in order to, you know, maintain this momentum with these larger classes moving forward. 100%. OPP Inspector Chris Collins, OPPA Director Mike Adair, thank you both for joining us for this conversation today. Thanks so much. Yeah. And that is our episode for this week. All episodes are always available online at our blog at oppa.ca slash media. And if you like what you hear, please use the subscribe button on your podcasting platform so that you never miss an episode. For Scott Mills, I'm Josh Jutras. And from everyone here at the OPP Association, thanks for listening and be safe.